Well, summer is here. Just walk outside and you know that. Man, it's gotten hot quick, hasn't it? Some of you love this weather. Um, I'm more of a fan of the sub-zero um, weather than I am the triple-digit weather, but um, my wife likes this weather, and so I guess this is what we're stuck with. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10 together. And this morning, we're continuing our sermon series um, through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Our series theme, as you can kind of see around here, is, is a summer theme, Best Summer Ever. As we kind of looked at last week, um, this summer for all of us is going to look different, isn't it? We're going to vacation differently. We are going to socialize differently. We're, we're doing church differently. Everything about this summer is different. Here's the deal, though. This summer may not be unfolding the way that we want it to unfold, but that doesn't mean that as a church and as individuals that we can't still impact this world for Jesus Christ. Am I right? We can do that and then some. Let us become men and women of change. Men and women that make it clear that every person has been created in the image of God. That every person without Jesus is a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And as a church, may we go, grow, and glow for the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, again, in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10, we read these words. This is the message we have heard from him. And proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So our message point this morning is this. The world is in chaos because we have a sin problem. I hope there's not a single person listening to my voice this morning that would dispute that reality. Our land is broken. We are a broken people because we are a sinful people. There is much darkness in our world. But you and I possess the light of Christ within us. And we have been commanded by Christ to shine that light out to those that we come in contact with. With. Notice our first point this morning, it is this. It is a call to transfer the gospel. In verse 5, we read, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. The New English translation um, reads this passage like this. Now, this is the gospel message we have heard from him. John is telling his readers and us that we have a gospel message. We have the good news message that the world is in desperate need of. I don't, we all agree with that, right? You know, if you look back in verse, at verses 1 through 4 that we looked at last week, this message is concerning Jesus Christ. And John is making it very, very clear that Jesus is the reason for, for, for this epistle. He is the reason for the gospel. He's the reason 
for all of us to, to, to be here today and to have been here 2,000 years ago. But in verses 1 through 4, by way of review, um, John indicates and makes it clear that Jesus was from the beginning in verse 1, that he is the word of life that he is the source of eternal life, that he is the son of God, that he is the source of our fellowship with one another and our fellowship with God the Father, and he is the source of our joy. This is Jesus. And, And John is saying we are to proclaim him to the world. It's almost as if he writes these words um, as, a, as, as a man that is so um, dedicated to the Lord that, that he writes, as indicated last week, he's about 85 years old, okay? Um, decades have separated um, him from the time that he walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and witnessed the resurrected Jesus, but he writes as a man that had just moments before this was walking and talking with Jesus, right? It's almost like there is a ringing in his ears, like the gospel message is a ringing in his ears. Has there ever been something that, that you have heard that has just kind of generated a ringing in your ears? I mean, think about that. Maybe it was a, a, a positive word or maybe even a negative word that you received. It may have been a word from a parent or a teacher or a friend or a loved one or a coach. Maybe it was the words, I love you or I am proud of you or good job. Well done. Have you ever had those kind of words that have just kind of stuck with you for weeks or months or years or decades? Does that ever happen to you? I mean, I, I know for me, you know, there, there are words that I cherish, that I still remember words that my mom spoke to me. I remember words my dad has spoke to me. I remember words that coaches have spoken to me and other great leaders have spoken to me. And they've just kind of sat with me and provided a ringing in my ears. And, and you know, one of those words was a word um, that a coach um, shared um, and it was a word, it was a sentence, get out of here. Now, you may hear that thinking, well, he's probably telling you to get out of his office or to get out of the weight room or whatever. That wasn't it at all. When I was um, in, in high school, I played baseball. Okay, I always played baseball, even from the time that I probably started walking, I was swinging a bat. I loved baseball, and most of you know that about me, and the fact that there is not professional baseball going on right now, it is killing me. But, um, you know, I, I was halfway decent at, at baseball. My senior year, I hit um, several home runs. Okay, now that was um, pretty abnormal for me. Before my senior year, I had never hit a home run. I'd never hit the ball out of the park. And we had a coach, his name was Coach Terry, and every time you got a hold of that ball, he would scream out at the top of his lungs, get out of here. And, 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 and I remember the very first time I connected with that ball and that ball went out of the park, he screamed out, get out of here. And, and that word just has always stuck with me. It's just provided kind of a ringing in my ears. I guess whenever I want to li- relive my childhood, I think back to, to those days. But when you think about the gospel message, it should provide a ringing in our ears, shouldn't it? 
When we read God's word, when we hear God's word, when we respond to God's word, it, it should just be, it, we know God's word is alive and active. It should be alive and active within our ears and it should get out of our mouths, right? And that's what John is saying here, that we are to transfer, transfer this gospel. We are to proclaim this gospel. It should provide a ringing in the ears of others just like it provides a ringing in our own ears. Notice our second point this morning. It is this the gospel truth. Again, in verse 5, we read, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This message, God's message, the gospel message is an unchanging message. It is the same today as it has always been. It, it is the same. Uh, man has attempted to make the gospel something it is not. They have tried to add to the gospel. They have tried to take away from the gospel message. But the gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? If you ever hear me preaching something that is contrary to the gospel message, you better, you better walk me out of this place and tell me never to come back again. Because the gospel message does not change. It is the same today, yesterday, and forever. The gospel message is good news. The gospel message is the good news of Christ, and the gospel shows the world the way to salvation. Jesus made it clear. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He didn't tell us here that there's one, two, three, multiple ways to heaven. He said there is one way, and that is through me. That is through Jesus Christ. You believe that this morning, don't you? That is the message we are to proclaim to other people. The truth, John proclaims, is this, that God is light. Do you know that the word light or a variance of it is used some 275 times throughout Scripture, 95 times in the New Testament alone? Chuck Swindoll in his commentary shares these words. He says, light is a single term that captures the essence of God's nature. It represents the holiness and purity of God. In John's metaphor, God isn't simply a source of light, a being brilliantly illumined by light, or a reflector of light. He says that God is light. Again, throughout Scripture, we see this to be true. In Genesis chapter 1, 3, the world is introduced to light, right? Jesus said in the beginning, or um, we read, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? John in his gospel wrote these words. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says right here, I am the light of the world. John also wrote in, in John 12, 46, we read, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. What do we know about the world that we live in today? It is an utterly dark place, right? What do we know about the world before Jesus entered into it? It was an utterly dark place. In Isaiah 9-2, Isaiah made it abundantly clear what the world was going to look like before Jesus came. In Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
over and over and over, we see how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the source of light. God is light, and in him there is absolutely zero darkness. What does light do? Light dispels darkness, doesn't it? It displaces darkness. John wrote, God is light, and in him is no darkness. Again, Chuck Swindoll shares in his commentary, what does this mean? What does it mean that in God there is no darkness? It means that God is all good with nothing bad. He is all pure with nothing impure. He is all clean with nothing dirty. He is all right with nothing wrong. He is all truth with nothing false. In God is the great I am. There is nothing about him that, that there is no presence whatsoever within him where, that is dark. He is 100% pure, 100% holy, 100% light. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we read, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If there has ever been a time in human history that the church has needed to rise up, to shine out its light for Jesus Christ, it is now, isn't it? It is today. And we need to let Christ's light shine in us and through us. John Falconer said these words, I have, put, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with the light. Such great words right there. Let me read that again. I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. You and I get just one chance in all of human history to impact this world for Jesus Christ. We get but one candle to burn bright for Jesus. How are we going to burn our candles, and for whom are we going to burn it? We live in the midst, again, of utter darkness. You turn your television on and you see the reality of that. I mean, this week, just classic example, we're killing each other in our street. We're derogating one another and destroying one another with our words. There is no telling how many millions of dollars worth of damage has been destroyed this week. There is much darkness in our, our world. But what we know is that the light of Christ can displace, can dispel all darkness within this world, right? What does the light do whenever, man, I think all of us have been in a really dark room and we've had to turn that flashlight on or our phones on these days because that's pretty much the only flashlight that we have that has a battery in it now. But what does that light do? It immediately eradicates that darkness. You walk down a, 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 a dark alley, and you shine a bright light down that alley, you're probably going to see a million cockroaches just scram right away. Why? Because cockroaches love the darkness, right? Well, people love darkness as well. But Christ came to eradicate darkness, and you and I have been called and set apart to take the light of Christ into those dark places, down those dark alleys, into those dark rooms and proclaim the truth of the gospel message. C.T. Studd said, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bells, but I want to run a rescue shop, a yard from the gates of hell. May you and I seek to run a rescue shop, 
a yard from the gates of hell. May you and I let our lights shine a yard from the gates of hell and rescue as many people as we can from hell. Notice next, the purpose of the gospel. The first purpose is this, quite obvious, to bring us to God. The gospel came, Jesus came to provide a way for you and I to be reconciled to God, to allow us broken, sinful beings to be reconciled to God the Father. God loved this world so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, right? And to reconcile us to God, to make us right before God. That is why Jesus came, to bring us to God the Father. The purpose also of the gospel is to bring us to God, obviously. But notice, though, many falsely claim belief in God. Notice man's false claim. In verse 6, we read, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Here was and is the problem. Many, many, many people throughout human history have falsely claimed a belief in God. They falsely claim a belief in God They continue to walk in darkness. They have led their families to follow Christ when they themselves have not. They have sat in our churches and claimed to be followers of Christ. They have sat in our government offices and stood before their constituents and claimed to be followers of Jesus. They have stood in our pulpits and beat against the lecterns and claimed to be followers of Jesus Christ. Yet there is no evidence of the light of Christ in them. Just utter darkness. John says that if we claim to have fellowship with Jesus, yet continue in our sins, then we ourselves are liars. I love what Tony Evans wrote in his commentary. He wrote this regarding this passage. He said, fellowship with God is not validated by your lips. It is validated by your walk. Praising God and shouting amen have their place, but intimacy with God must be demonstrated through actions, not merely through vocabulary. You know, we all have known a lot of people that, that have preached a good game, they've talked a good game, they have made it appear as if they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is no evidence whatsoever of the light of Christ in them. They are walking in darkness. They are lying to themselves. They are claiming that they are, 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 are believers when they're really not. I think we all know people like that. We've all been around people like that. We've also been around people on kind of the opposite end of that who, who are um, believers in the Lord. They, they do know who the Lord is but yet they get so caught up in the dark elements of this world that it tears them apart inside. Last Sunday, we had the opportunity to serve the men and women that make up church under the tree. And there was a young man there who was really struggling with his sin nature. He knows God, and he knows the truth of his word. He was quoting scripture with us. I mean, I have no doubt whatsoever that this young man had, an, had, had, a, had a relationship with the Lord, had surrendered his life to the Lord, had repented of his, his sins. But this was a young man, probably in his early 20s. He was broken because of his sin. He was addicted to drugs. He, he, he was broken um, on, on the other end of his um, using of those drugs. 
He recognized what he would, had done was wrong, but he just opened up to the group and he said basically what Paul said. I, I, I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. And he was crying out for help. He needed help. And, and the purpose of Church Under the Tree is to help men just like that. And as he was, was sharing those words, I, I just began to think how, how in Scripture, as believers, you and I are never going to live a sinless life, are we? We're never going to be perfect. But you know what? We can sin less in our lives, right? The more we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the less we should sin, right? You know, this man, what he had a problem, what his greatest problem is, he's not actively growing in his relationship with Jesus. And he's caught up in this sin pattern. He's going to continue to sin and fall short of of God's glory. Every one of us do that. But this man... um, this young man, the challenge was for him to learn from his mistakes and, and seek to sin less in his life. Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, we read, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Man, that's a mouthful right there. You read that enough times, it's going to give you a headache, isn't it? But we all have been there. We all have gotten caught up in that sin nature. We're like, I don't want to do this anymore. But yet, what do we continue to do? We continue to find ourselves caught up in in that sin nature. Paul, one of the, probably the greatest Christians to ever walk the face of this earth, admitted that, that he fails, that he is weak. His flesh makes him weak. All of us are clothed in flesh. All of us make mistakes. All of us do things that call, cause us to fall into sin. But understand this, you and I don't have to stay there, do we? We've got to dig ourselves out of that hole and begin to live our lives sold out for Jesus Christ. Don't ever claim to be without sin. Just seek to sin less, okay? Notice next, there is a reward that John talks about here. And, and he says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What does walking do? Walking implies action. It implies forward momentum. As we walk with Christ in the light of Christ, we find ourselves growing and glowing for Christ, don't we? As believers who walk in the light, we get to enjoy fellowship with God, and we get to enjoy fellowship with one another. You know, we talked a little bit about this last week, but fellowship is good, right? You and I were created for fellowship. We need one another. We need to meet together regularly with one another. You know, the screens can only do so much for us. You know, they can, they can give us the truth of God's Word. 
you know, as, as, as we sit in front of our computers, our televisions. But you know what, the, what, what those TV screens or phones and all that stuff can't do? Can't connect us with one another like this flesh and blood can do. Jesus died for the church. Us meeting together is important. Us fellowshipping around tables together is important. Us doing growth groups together is important. Us doing life and interacting with one another is important. Fellowship is essential. As we walk in God's light, we experience God at work in our lives, and as God is at work in our lives and we walk with other people, guess what? God will, will, will get, off, get, get off of us and into them, we pray, and they too will experience the light of Christ. You know, a few weeks ago during our Senior Sunday message, I talked about what it looks like for us to walk with Christ, what it looks like for us to, to take God's Word and apply it to our lives. But, but God's Word is essential. We are to hear the Word as it is preached and taught. We are to hold the Word of God as we read and study God's Word. We are to hide the Word of God in our hearts as we memorize it. We are to find help in the Word of God as we study it. We are to sing the Word of God as we worship. We are to pray the Word of God as we, as we meditate on the Word of God, and we are to respond to the Word of God. First, we respond unto salvation, then we respond um, obediently to it, right? People that walk with Jesus do the very things that are found within God's Word. And you know what happens as they walk with God and do what God's Word says? They experience the cleansing that comes from God's Word. At the moment of our salvation, when we repented of our sins, we were cleansed of our sins, weren't we? John is going to elaborate on this as we walk through this final point this morning. Notice the reality of sin. Again, what our world has is a sin problem. This isn't something that is new, that has just reared its ugly head over the past week or so. This has been a problem since Adam and Eve committed that first sin in the garden. And it will continue to be a problem up until the moment that Jesus Christ comes and silence the devil once and for all. But we have a sin problem in our world. That is the reality of things. In Romans 6, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not some people, not most people, all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us will continue to sin. And every single one of us will continue to fall short of God's glory. But But as we'll look at a second ago, as believers, we experience the cleansing presence of Jesus. But let's look at these four sub-points briefly. The first one is this, and A, the presence of sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. A person who claims to be without sin claims that they are free from the penalty of sin. There is probably not a more damning thing that a person can do than that right there. Am I right? A person that says that they are free of sin, what they are saying is is this, I have no need for God. That person says that, that they don't need God. They say that they have no need of a Savior. But God makes it abundantly clear that all people are in need of Christ. There have always been those that feel as if they are without sin, as if they are morally upright. 
But there's not been ever one person that has walked the face of this earth except for the Lamb of God that has ever been sinless. No one. No one. In Romans 3.23, Romans 6, we're, we're told that the wages of sin is death. What every one of us deserve is death because of our sin. If a person does not confess their sins before God, then they will die in their sin and spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell. That is the reality. There is no, there is no alternative. There is but one way to, to God the Father, and that is through Jesus, and that occurs once the confession of sin occurs. Notice um, subpoint B here, the confession of sin. This is probably a passage of Scripture that all of us have memorized. And if you don't have it memorized, you know it so well that you practically have it memorized. But in 1 John 1, 9, we read, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you and I confess our sins before God, we are in total agreement with what God's Word says about us, that we are sinners in need of of a Savior. And we recognize that Jesus is our Savior, and He has provided atonement for our sins, that He has provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. We know that the wages of sin is death. That is what we deserve. But because of the work of Christ on the cross, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for all of us, He has provided a way for all of us to be forgiven and cleansed of that sin. Again, the wages of sin is death. But Paul writes here, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is the confession of our sins. And then there is also the cleansing from sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christ this morning wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to make you as if you have never sinned before. That's what the psalmist declared, that Christ will take our sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. He wants to set us free from the penalty of sin. He wants to set you free from the bondage of sin. He wants to set you free from the prison that you are living in today if you are living your life independent of God this morning. Repent is what Scripture says and be saved. Notice our final um, sub-point is this. John gives a stern warning to close out this section of Scripture, and it is the denial of sin. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. To deny our sin is to call God a liar. And to call God a liar and not repent of our sin is to say to God that you do not need him and that you are just fine living independently of him. Folks, to do such a thing will result in eternal death. It will result in um, the fires of hell. That's the reality of a person without Christ. That is where they will spend their eternity. You know, you may be here this morning, 
and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front, and I'd love to share with you how you can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I know all of you well, um, and, and, you know, from all perception, there's no doubt from what I've seen that you are a Christian. But you may be, have been playing the game for all of your adult life. And you may have, have talked a good game, preached a good game, but you're not really a Christ follower. And if that's you this morning, if you need Jesus, I'm going to be here at the front, and I would love to share with you more about how you can do that. In closing, by way of application, let's be men and women that transfer the gospel from us to other people. Let us share the truth of the gospel. We live in a dark world. And this dark world is in desperate need of Jesus. If you're not a Christian this morning, confess your sins before God. Repent of your sins and be cleansed from your sin and begin a new life with Christ today. Jesus is the way. Believe in him and share him is what we've been called to do. Let's stand together. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make this morning, you come. Father God, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. We thank you for, for John. Father, we thank you that you set him apart to be your disciple, Father. We thank you, Father, um, that, that even um, after your resurrection, Lord Jesus, um, you continue to use John in such a mighty way that you gave him the words for the gospel of John. You gave him the words for first, second, and third John, and you gave him the words that, that were penned in the book of Revelation. This is a man that walked intimately with you, and, and he, he passionately shared you, Father, not only verbally with those he came in contact with. We know that, but we also know that he shared um, his, 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 his um, encounter with you through the written word, Lord. And today, we've been able to walk through a few verses together and experience that ringing that he still had in his ears whenever he wrote those words down. Father, I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that all of us will leave here with a ringing in our ears, the gospel truth ringing in our ears. And Father, we pray that you'll give us opportunities to share the gospel today. Father, there may be someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, and I pray that today you will draw them into salvation, that today they'll repent of their sins and cry out to you to be Lord and Savior of their lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come, you come.